Hello and welcome to this Darwin's Medicine Seminar. My seminars are about the life sciences industry, pharma, medtech, diagnostics, which I've worked in, researched and written about for over 40 years now. I focus on the evolution of business models and strategy, and my aim is to tell you something that is relevant, useful and that you've not heard before. If I manage to do that, then please like, subscribe and share with your colleagues. And if you'd like the published article that goes into more detail about the seminar, or if you'd like to know more about my research generally, then just get in touch. All of the contact details are in the notes. In my academic field of generalised Darwinism, we think of life science companies roaming the health ecosystem like animals in a jungle. And like animals, these firms only survive if they have the capabilities to do so. In business, as much as in biology, it's capabilities that count. And life science companies know this, of course. They spend lots of resources recruiting people with industry experience, and many supporting firms profit by supplying industry-tailored training. But there are two flaws in this industry-tailored model of capability development. Firstly, the life sciences industry, like the jungle, isn't an homogenous environment. It has many subhabitats. So just like the jungle has rivers and undergrowth and treetop canopies, each of which demand quite different survival capabilities, so the life sciences sector varies in its care settings, peer environments, technology contexts and so on. Secondly, the life sciences jungle isn't static. Sociological forces like demographics and economics and technological forces from systems biology to artificial intelligence are shaping the healthcare ecosystem just like climate change is transforming some natural environments. These two truths of today's life sciences industry, heterogeneity and dynamism, have an important practical implication. The traditional approach of adopting industry best practice, which is to say um, copying those capabilities that worked for other companies yesterday, is flawed. Copying what other very different firms did yesterday won't make you capable of surviving and thriving in a different habitat tomorrow. If the days of emulating industry best practice are gone, then it means that life science firms need to ask themselves three important questions about capability development. First, what are capabilities and where do they come from? Secondly, what are the capabilities required of your future business model? And finally, how can you embed and maintain those capabilities? In this and in the next three seminars in the series, I'll address those existential questions. Your firm's capabilities are simply its abilities to do things effectively. They're not the same thing as individuals' knowledge, skills and attributes, or the firm's assets and resources, although those things are the ingredients of a firm's capabilities. There are interesting parallels between biological proteins and business capabilities because they are both the workhorses of the organism and the organisation respectively. Just as each species of animal has a characteristic proteome of thousands of proteins, each life sciences firm has a capabilityome of thousands of capabilities that is characteristic of its particular business model. This proteome capabilityome parallel goes further still. Just as there are several kinds of biological proteins, such as antibodies, enzymes and hormones, there are three different kinds of capability. Hygiene capabilities, those that are essential to survival, such as capability for regulatory compliance, for example. Differentiating capabilities, 
which are those that can create competitive advantage, such as the capability to design a compelling value proposition, and dynamic capabilities, which are those capabilities which enable other capabilities, such as being able to create market insight, which enables strategizing, for example. A firm's capability will include many of each of these three kinds of capability. And just as you share some of your proteome with other species, many of your firm's capabilities will be the same as those of other life science companies. Equally, your firm's capabilities will be characteristic of its business model and be shared only with some very similar firms. The final parallel between biological proteins and business capabilities is that they are each the expression of deeper factors. Proteins are expressed by genes that are written in a four-letter code, ACTG. Similarly, capabilities are the expression of organisational routines. These are the many little sub-processes that combine together to allow your firm to, for example, segment the market or to prepare cash flow projection. And just as genes are built from bases, organisational routines are built on micro-foundations. If you look carefully, you'll see that these mega-foundations, like their analogous base pairs, abbreviate to ACTG. The parallels between capabilities and proteins, routines and genes, bases and mega-foundations are much more than simply an extended metaphor. They are a useful model that guides capability development. So if you wanted to transform an organism's capabilities, for instance, to teach a chimpanzee to talk, then training would not be enough. You would need to re-engineer its genome. In exactly the same way, if you wanted to transform an organization's capabilities from primary care focus to specialty focus, for example, you would need to change the micro-foundations that shape those newly necessary capabilities. A business model is all those firms that share the same or very similar strategies, structures, capabilities and cultures. In my research, I identified no less than 26 different business models in the life sciences sector. Each of these is very different to the others, but firms that adopt the same business model are very similar to each other, even if they operate in different markets. So your firm's business model is unlikely to be unique. You are likely to share with many similar firms. At the same time, your business model is likely to be very different from many other firms in the industry. Each is exquisitely adapted to a particular habitat within the market and consequently is not well suited to the other habitats in the market. Imagine, for example, if Alexian's rare disease business model tried to compete in generic small molecules with Viatris, for example, or vice versa. The speciation business models has two practical implications. The first regarding the choice of capabilities and the second concerning their development and maintenance. Think first about the decisions your firm has to make about which capabilities it needs to develop. Just as different species need different capabilities, so too do different business models. For example, those firms investing heavily in rare disease business models, such as J&J, they need different capabilities to find and engage with their very small patient populations, whilst a branded generic company, such as Sandoz, doesn't need that capability. At the same time, Sandoz, Teva and other generic companies know that they will need to be highly capable in the tendering processes that are quite alien to rare disease markets. 
These are very obvious examples, chosen to make a point. But if you think carefully about almost any other capability, continuing medical education, omnichannel design, market access, whatever you choose, it will soon become clear that each business model requires its own characteristic capability, just as each animal species has its own characteristic proteome. Within each business model, capabilities will vary in detail, but at a fundamental level, all companies with the same business model will need similar capabilities. This means that copying industry best practice makes little sense, unless you actually mean copying best practice for my business model. Even then, imitation of others' capabilities makes little sense unless it allows for how your model is changing and for the business model you want to be in the future rather than what business model you are today. Now, now think about how to build and maintain the capabilities you've decided are essential for your future business model. As in my example about the talking chimp, capabilities can't be implanted merely by training. The embedding of any given new capability in your firm involves two equally essential steps. First, what routines are needed to express the new capability. For example, the capability to create market insight is expressed by, among others, routines for inductive, abductive and deductive translation of information into knowledge. Second, enabling those routines by assembling the required microfoundations. For example, the routine for abductive knowledge requires the understanding of abductive reasoning, groups designed to combine qualitative and quantitative abilities, and team processes for iterative knowledge building loops. When I study highly capable firms, their capabilities are almost always underpinned by the right routines built on appropriate microfoundations. By contrast, Firms who demonstrate capability weaknesses show either gaps in their routines or flaws in their microfoundations or both. This understanding of capability development based on the principles of evolutionary science and developed from years of patented application in life science companies boils down to a roadmap for life science leaders. In essence, if life science leaders want their firms to compete in the future, it's not sufficient to simply change strategy and structure. It's capabilities that count and the right capabilities can't be copied from elsewhere. They must be built from their microfoundations up through the organisation routines to fit with the future market environment in which you must survive and thrive. So thanks for joining the seminar. If you found it worth your time, then please like, subscribe and share with your colleagues. If you'd like to read the supporting article, then get in touch. If you'd like to browse the 300 articles, papers and books I've written about our industry, then take a look at my website. And if you'd like to talk about how my research can help you improve your competitive capabilities, then let's set up a virtual cup of tea. I'd love to hear from you.